For the next, uh, I don't know, a little bit of time, wherever the Lord leads me, I'm going to be talking about putting the standards back. Put the standards back. And uh, I believe that this message and these messages are necessary and important for us. They're more teaching probably than preaching. They're more about how you live when you leave here. And so uh, you may not do cartwheels down the aisle. Can I be honest with you? Some of you today, let me just tell you, you don't need to do cartwheels down the aisle because you will break a hip or something like that. But we do have the camera rolling in case, in case you want to. Go ahead, anybody. Um, my point is this. This is going to be um, deep. It's going to be teaching, and it's going to be valuable for your life. Do you feel like maybe, don't answer this out loud or raise your hand, but do you feel like maybe you're living a sort of a squirmy Christian life, sort of a inconsistent Christian life, sort of an up and down Christian life, sort of an in and out Christian life? I, I have been... I have been watching people over the last two or three years since quarantine hit us. And, and I think that uh, even before quarantine, people were kind of headed in this direction, right? Um, more of a squirmy kind of a Christianity, more of an inconsistent kind of a Christianity, more of a when I feel like it Christianity. Is anybody hearing me today? But when COVID hit, I think it really, it really affected uh, people's faith and how they walk their faith out. And I'm going to be teaching about the importance of putting standards back in your walk, in your daily life, and how that's going to empower you to live the life that God wants you to live, amen, to, to get to a place where you can be effective and more consistent for Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Do you want to be more consistent and effective for Jesus Christ? Now, that's a, that's a big question right there because some people don't. They just want what they want when they want it. And that's sort of the basis for that squirmy, inconsistent Christian life. Can you hear me today? I'm going to be reading first in Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. It says, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. So, once again, the writer is telling the church, hey, the way that you're seeing us apostles walk our daily life out, pattern yourself after that. Follow us after that, because there's many who are not doing that. And I weep over those who are not walking according to the patterns that are set up for them to walk. They are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, listen to this, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. I want you to take notice of that phrase. People who walk according to the ways of the world whose God is their appetite. The King James Version says whose God is their belly. There is a way that the world lives 
And there's a standard by which the world lives. It motivates everything they do, and it is their appetite. Now, I'm not just talking about the appetite of, you know, your hunger, but many of us do that, right? If you've ever been on a diet, you know how hard it is to deny your appetite, right? But uh, it's more the appetite of the flesh, just doing what we want to do when we want to do it. If I'm hungry, I eat. If I want it, I get it. If I don't feel like doing it, I don't feel like doing it. I live my life according to the standard of my appetite. And Paul here is saying that this is the way the world lives. This is the way the world lives. People have a standard of living where they think truth is mine, morality is mine, that I am my God. Now, they don't say that out loud, but they live as if they are because... They just wander around doing whatever their flesh tells them to do. Have you ever heard of this uh, uh, definition of the word integrity? Integrity meaning that the way you live on the outside is the way you are on the inside. You ever heard of that? It sounds really great. Like uh, that person is genuine. You know, if they say it, they mean it and they, they feel it and they believe it. And, and it's really how they are on the outside. That sounds really good, but there are some problems with that. And I'm going to help you church because God does not call us to live according to how we feel on the inside. Come on. And uh, for, for all of us who say, well, I just tell, say what's on my mind, that's not what the Bible teaches. For all of us who say, I just do what I feel like doing, that's not what the Bible teaches. For all of us who say, I follow my heart, that's not what the Bible teaches today. That is putting a standard up, which is our appetite. In other words, it is our appetite that tells us how to live. And this is how Christians get caught up living that squirrely, ineffective Christian life. It even creeps into Christianity from time to time, that idea of integrity. And it sounds something like this. You know, we don't want to be phony, do we? We don't want to say something with our mouth that we don't really think in our mind. We don't, we don't want to live in a way that we don't feel on the inside. Have you ever heard that? And, and we're trying to be genuine and trying to be right. When you worship, you must feel it or it's not real. Have you ever felt that or heard that before? I'm sorry, Lord, I don't want to just go through the motions. Come on. And when you do a good work, you've got to feel it or it's not real. You're just going through the motions. When you love others, you've got to feel it or it's not real. When you forgive, you've got to feel it or it's not real. Don't just go through the motions. If there's no feelings, it's dead. We have this mindset that if I want it, if I'm in the mood for it, it must be God. Come on. Come on. And we call that integrity. Well, I'm here to tell you today, there's another side to that coin. Yes, it's important that we are real and genuine. But the idea that we only do things for God when we feel like doing it means that it is our appetite that is the standard and not what really should be the standard. Are you with me today so far? Are you thinking about your own life? Because I'll tell you what, this has hit me pretty hard too. We don't want to be phony. We don't want to feel one way but live another, do we? We don't want to think one thing but say something different, do we? So here's the problem. If we go by that standard that we have to feel it before it's real, 
then if we don't feel it, we're fake or we're phony or we're just religious. That's why some people didn't come to church this morning because they didn't feel like coming to church this morning. That's why some people don't pray because they didn't feel like praying. That's why some people don't read the Word of God every day because they just didn't feel like reading the Word of God today because their appetite has become the standard by which they live. Are you hearing me today, church? Come on, is somebody with me today? The problem with living that way is that is that is not the, the way the Bible teaches us to live. Nowhere does the Bible say that your appetite, your fleshly desires, your want to, your emotions, your thinking is the standard by which you live. Come on, somebody. The Bible tells us we have a different standard, but sometimes we confuse what we want with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, sometimes we want something and we do what we want and then we blame the Holy Spirit. We think because we felt it on the inside of us, it must have been God. God was telling us to do that. God was telling us to do that. And, and can I tell you, sometimes what you feel on the inside is not God. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm going to get into it here more in just a little bit. But sometimes what you feel on the inside is not God. We get confused that way, and, and we don't understand how human beings work because we think that a person is an inward person and an outward person. And so what we feel on the inside must be God working in us, and so then we do what we feel on the inside. Are, are you with me today? And we follow that appetite, and if you're not careful, you can end up following that appetite to a point where you're living a life that's just up and down. Come on. You're just in and out and up and down, and, and you love when you feel like loving your neighbor. And you give when you feel like giving. Come on, you know why, you know why pastors and churches uh, uh, all over, they get up there and they, they try to inspire people? Because they're trying to get people to feel like following God. They're trying to get people to feel like giving in the offering. They're trying to get people to feel like loving their neighbor because if they feel like it, they'll go do it. But that really ain't the way it should be, is it? We shouldn't have to wait until we feel like it, do we? Come on. What is the standard that we should live by? What is it that's going to help us go from living a, a crazy life to a more consistent life? Come on. Now, none of us are perfect except Jesus, right? Here's perfect, never wavers, never sh no shifting shadows, no change, the perfection of Jesus. And, and here we are. And, and as we grow in Christ, we should stop being like this and start getting more consistent, come on, in our faith and in our walk with God. And you know why this matters? Because the Bible says we are saved for the purpose of good works. The world needs you. The world needs you. Your family needs you. Your job needs you. Your community needs you. The world needs you to represent Jesus. Think about it. If the only reason you and I were saved was to experience the presence of God, God could just take us home and we'd experience God like we've never experienced him before. Come on. But we're here because there's a purpose for you and I to serve. God is not your appetite. Let me say it again. God is not your appetite. In fact, Matthew 4, 1 through 4, or oh, let's read this. Jesus was led up by, into, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he, after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, some of us can't go 40 minutes without eating something. Come on. He then became hungry, and the tempter, the devil, came to him and said, if you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. What is he saying? He's saying, fulfill your appetite. 
Whatever you have an appetite for, you've got the power of God in your life. Use the power of God to fulfill your appetite. Notice what Jesus says here. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. But how shall we live? On every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When I say put the standards back, what I'm saying is we need to get back to a place where we live our lives from the time we get up to the time we go to bed in obedience and alignment with the word of God. Come on. It is the word of God that is the standard by which we live. John 17, 16 through 17. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus talking about you and I. He says, sanctify them in your truth, Father, for your word is truth. Did you know that the word of God is the truth? For all of the people trying to tell us what the truth is today, the Bible is the truth. It's the only thing that's consistent and stays the same. It is the truth. Now, let me tell you something. If the truth changes every 30 years, have you noticed that every generation has a new opinion of what the truth is, what right and wrong is? Come on. And let me tell you something. If you're a young person today and you think the way your grandparents lived was not truthful and not moral and they just lived wrong, let me promise you something. If the Lord tarries, you're going to have grandkids. You know what they're going to think about your way of life? Yeah. They're going to think you're not living according to the truth and you got stupid ideas and the morality you have doesn't make any sense. Which kind of morality, which kind of truth do we live by? Do we live by the Western uh, kind of truth here in America or do we go over to the Middle East and believe what they say? Do we listen to grandma's truth or do we listen to somebody in their 20s? Do, who do we listen to? People who live up north or, or in the, the, the states that are red or in the states that are blue? Whose morality rules? Whose ideas win? That's why the word of God is important because it is truth. Come on. When God said it, it was, and to this day, it still is. Psalms 119, 89, the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Come on, when you open that Bible and you read that, you're reading words that a thousand years ago were settled. You're reading words that 10,000 years from now have been settled, amen. It's done, God said it, and it's over with. Come on. The word of God is the source of your growth. You want to get better? You want to have a better life? You want to move forward? You want to be of a, uh, the kind of person who can influence the world around you for Jesus Christ? 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. Oh, you don't want to go there, do you? For training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped, for every good work. Now, why is God equipping you with the word of God? For every good work. He wants you to be ready and equipped. And you know how you get equipped? Through the word of God. It's the word of the living God that you need. Come on. Do you realize that in your drawer, on your dresser, wherever you keep your Bible, is the very word of the living God that is the most powerful, transformative, spoken truth that you will ever know about in your life? And it can transform our lives if we make it the standard of our life. Because Christianity is not a faith of follow your feelings. Some people think it is. And sometimes we even try to entice people to the church by feelings. Like it's going to be so good. You're going to love it. And Jesus is going to make you happy. 
and everything's going to work out great, and, you, you know, your problems are just going to melt away. And you know what? I don't find that in the Bible. In fact, I think um, the disciples and the apostles would have a word with you because they faced perilous, difficult, challenging times. They didn't have a second home in the, in the, you know, by the lake or, or three vacations a year. There's no evidence of any of that. The evidence is that they were mistreated, abused, that they chased after and dedicated their life to Jesus Christ, a person that is not here in the flesh right now. And that others thought they were crazy. They followed him and obeyed his commands and did what he told them to do to the point of death. Why in the world would they do that? It's not because it made them feel good. It's because they believed it to be the truth. You know why you ought to follow God? Because you believe the word of God is the truth. You believe your Bible is the truth. You see, when it's a follow your feelings thing, it's an I, if I feel like it, I do it. You know why people live an upside everywhere i'm over here i'm close to god today and i'm feeling it and so i'm i'm praying i'm in the word and then i'm down here and i'm just not feeling it today and i just can't seem to reach god and so i'm just down here come on you've been there right and we have this up and down kind of life and the reason is because we think if i feel it that's when i do it we think if if i think it in my brain i'm supposed to say it if i want it i'm supposed to go get it i'm supposed to follow my heart can i tell you something about your heart the bible says there's not anything more wicked than your heart i'm going to teach you about your heart for for a moment here because we need to learn and understand what the heart is the heart is the internal part of you do you know you have, you know, everybody knows we have an internal part and an external part, right? The, the, the external part, your body is what you see when you look in the mirror, right? And what other people see. Uh, the internal part of you is your, your, you know, thinking and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, when you only think of yourself as having an inside and an outside, it gets confusing because as a Christian, you feel like you're just going up and down all the time. Sometimes I'm full of faith and love, and sometimes I'm just a, an, an idiot. I'm a jerk. I don't have no faith. I, I don't have anything. Do you know what I'm talking about today? Come on. Are you with me? But the truth is, there are two parts of you on the inside, child of God. There is the spirit and the soul. The spirit is the part of you that connects directly to God. Can I tell you, when you were born again, your spirit was made perfect. Your spirit always wants to do the right thing. Your spirit is always in tune with God, always in alignment with the word of God. But your soul, your soul is your mind and your emotions and your, your personality. Your soul isn't perfected yet. Come on. Are you with me today? That's why we think bad things sometimes. That's why we say bad things sometimes. That's why we do bad things sometimes. Now, it's not always the case, but it's often that we do things we shouldn't be doing. Come on. You have a spirit and soul within you. And those two make up the heart of a person. And the reason the Bible says that the heart is wicked is because the fleshly side of you, which is the soul, often wants to go one way while the spirit wants to go the other way. Have you ever felt this struggle in your life? It's not really you going up and down and back and forth. It's the two parts of you struggling over who's going to win and live out how they want you to live out. Is it your spirit in line with God or is it your soul? Galatians 5, 16 and 17, listen to this. I say, walk by the Spirit, 
What is Paul saying? He's saying what the Spirit's telling you to do, do it. And you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. If you do what the Spirit says, then the fleshly side of you doesn't get what it wants. When you just want to tell your boss off and you know you shouldn't, but you're just getting emotionally mad and you just can't control yourself, the Spirit's saying, shut your face, shut your face. Come on. Does God ever talk to you that way? Just sit down and shut up. Just stop it. Come on. If you do what the Spirit says, you don't satisfy the desires of the flesh. If you live by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets itself against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. Let me say that again. Paul is saying, follow the Spirit so that you don't do the things that you just please. Is that the antithesis of living a life where we just follow our feelings? Of course it is. In fact, the Bible is teaching us that much of our life is going to be us doing the things that our flesh doesn't want us to do. Come on, amen? And yet we have a Christianity today that can sneak into your mind where you feel like, you know what, I should just do what I feel like doing. I should make myself happy. I should have the joy of the Lord. I should have all of these things. And then you give yourself what you want. But what you want is not always what God wants. Come on. Hallelujah. How many of you are glad for times that you wanted a job? Later on, you found out you, you didn't get the job and it was a good thing you didn't. How many of you wanted a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they, they were just the perfect person for you and you didn't get them, but later on you were so glad you didn't get them. Come on, don't point fingers, but let's just, in the name of Jesus, how many of you know what I'm saying? You wanted that car so bad, but they wouldn't approve you. And you didn't get that car. Come to find out that car was one of the worst made cars, had all kinds of problems. Aren't you glad God didn't give you every little desire that you have in your heart? Come on, somebody, there's something better than our appetite. You see, when we exist as a Christian, we have an excellent treasure inside of an earthen vessel. We know that, right? The excellent treasure is God in our spirit, his spirit in our spirit, united, wanting to obey the word of God and do what the spirit leads us to do. That's in you all of the time, child of God. Amen. And yet that excellent treasure that can heal the sick and share the gospel and bring the kingdom and do amazing things, that excellent treasure within you is being carried around by an earthen vessel. That's what the Bible calls it. In other words, a vessel that's of this earth. And that vessel is your life. And your life is not perfect. Nothing on this earth is perfect and neither is your life. So this excellent treasure gets carried around by a person who doesn't always think like they should, doesn't always speak like they should, doesn't always walk and talk and act and do what they should. Come on. Amen or oh me this morning. Come on, it's me I'm talking about too. So we know that this is the Christian life, that we have this excellent treasure that can change the world around us, and yet it's being carried out through an earthen vessel, which is why God has given us his word. So that can be the standard by which we live. And so sometimes, yes, the Spirit leads us. We know that God gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us, right? He would guide us into all truth. But what is truth? What is truth? It's the Word of God, right? So even though we have the Holy Spirit, we still have a nature of the flesh that wants to do the wrong thing. Is everybody with me today? 
So, so when you got up this morning, you've got a spirit in you that wants to do what God wants, and you've got a flesh in you that wants to do what you want, and they're going in two separate directions. Which one is going to live out their will in your daily life? Which one is going to live out in your mouth, in your mind, in your back, in your feet? Which one is going to win out? And here's a, here's a good question. How do you know which is which? Have you ever just prayed and then you started thinking about God's will for your life? Have you ever just kind of gone by your feelings for what God's will was? Come on. We pray and we want God to give us an answer and, and we, we would love an audible voice. We would love for God to just, you know, call us on the phone. It says, you know, God and you just swipe and, and he'd tell you, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. Thanks for asking. Uh, here's, the, here's the answer. This is what you're supposed to do. We want that kind of a thing, and, and, and we're not getting it, so we, we want a feeling, we want a nudging, we want a pushing, and sometimes we get that. But I want you to know, sometimes what you feel can be wrong. And you know why oftentimes when you pray and what you feel is wrong? Because you already decided what you want God to say before you ever drop to your knees. It, it's hard for God to give you an answer when you've already told God what his answer needs to be. Come on. And you're just trying to get a validation feeling in your spirit. Are you with me today? So what happens when we pray and, and we don't know on the inside of us if it's our flesh or if it's the will of God? How do we determine the two? Well, Hebrews 4.12 tells us. It says, for the word of God is living and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces as far as the division of what? The soul and the spirit. You want to know how to tell when God is speaking to you and you can't trust your feelings? It's the word of God. It's the word of God that divides. When you're confused about something, the word of God will divide. It'll say, no, I know it seems like it's all mixed up, God's will and your will, but I'm going to divide it and put God's will over here and your flesh over there. The word of God will help you determine God's will for your life. Come on, somebody. It is the word of God who helps us during this time. We need to live by the standard of the word of God. See, Christianity is not a faith of follow your feelings. It's a faith of follow the truth. Submit your life to the truth. When we follow our feelings, we say, if I feel it, I do it. God's word says, I do it no matter how I feel. Amen? Some would say, if I think it, then I'll say it. God's word says, I don't care what you're thinking, say what I say. Speak my word. Some would say, if I want it, I'll go get it. God's word says, if I promise it to you, you'll get it. Come on. Are you with me today? No matter what your desire at the moment. You know, I think of Paul and Silas in the prison, right? They've been arrested for being Christians. They've been beaten They've been shackled and thrown in prison, and we know that at the midnight hour, they were singing and praising God, and the walls began to shake, and the doors came open, and, and they were set free. What a miraculous event. And when you think of that in your mind, do you think of Paul and Silas just being moved, and they're just moved, and they have that, you know how we've been in worship sometimes where we just feel it, and it's so good, and, and we're just feeling it, and it is so wonderful. But what if, what if Paul and Silas weren't feeling it? What if they were miserable? 
What if they had no ounce of feeling it in them? But because the Bible says to worship the Lord your God, they decided they were going to sing praises anyway. They were going to worship God anyway. They were going to obey God anyway. Can I tell you something? There's something more real than you serving God when you feel like it, and it's you serving God all the time. Come on. Hallelujah. I heard someone say, I stopped praying over my meals because it became a habit. And I'm here today to tell you it's not a bad habit to have. If you only pray over your meals when you feel like it, well, that ain't no better, is it? Come on. Sometimes we need some standards in our life. We need to get back to doing things even when we don't feel like doing it because the Bible tells us to do it. Come on. To get closer to living that straight road that's impactful and changes things. Life has seasons to it. There are going to be times when you're in the wet season and time when you're in the dry season. And, oh, it's good when you're in the wet season. When you're feeling it and, man, you just are walking on cloud nine, you can walk on. You feel like you could walk on water, that you could just, you could just pray over the animals and they'll receive Jesus. You're just so, you're just on fire. You want to go to the cemetery and raise the dead. You know what I'm talking about. You're just feeling your faith. That is so wonderful when you're in the wet season. But you know, there comes a time when you will find a dry season. And if you haven't been taught this, you'll think there's something wrong with your Christianity. You'll say, what's wrong, God? I don't feel you anymore. Let me tell you something. God's not with you because you feel it. He's with you because he promised in his word, I will be with you. Come on. Can we trust his word whether we feel like it or not? We're not healed because we feel like it. We're healed because his word says, I'm the Lord God who heals you. Can we trust his word today? This is what God wants for us. Hebrews 4.12, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, do this. He's telling uh, the people of God, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. What is he telling us? He's telling us, I don't care what season it is, do what God told you to do. It doesn't matter if you're in the wet season and you're feeling great and services are wonderful and we're having that revival spirit or if it seems so dry and it seems like no matter how hard you pray, your prayers aren't touching the ceiling and no matter what you read, you're not getting revelation out of it and the preacher's just going too long and nothing's like you want it to be. Even in the dry season, my child, do what God called you to do. Be consistent. Be faithful in the wet season and in the dry season. In the wet season, we're feeling it. In the dry season, we do it even when we don't feel like it. Come on. We pray even when we don't feel like it. Even when we feel like our prayers are hitting the ceiling, we know they're not because the Bible says that God hears us when we pray. Amen? When we read the word, we don't, we don't have a, some sort of emotional reaction to it maybe in the dry season, but we read it because we know the word is like a seed that's planted in us. And, and sometime down the road, it's going to produce a harvest in our life. We don't do it because we feel like it. We do it because it's the right thing to do. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So what do we need today? 
We need to put the standard of the word of God back in our lives. We need to decide as individuals that I'm not going to live by how I feel. I'm not going to get on to that TikTok kind of Facebook kind of Christianity that says I do it when I feel like it. That I'll serve God when it feels like it. And if I don't feel it, somehow I don't mean it. That's the silliest thing that we could do is to think that if we don't feel it, somehow that's an indication of the truth of it. Because it's deeper than that. Come on. So I'm telling you today, what we need is a relentless pursuit of and a submission to the word of God. We need to get back to opening our Bibles in our homes. We need to get back to getting down on our knees and praying when we read the Bible so God will direct our lives. First, uh, 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5. Watch this. For the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Are you seeing a pattern here? It's all in the word of God. He keeps saying, stop teaching stuff that tells people that their appetite is what they're supposed to be chasing after. Stop telling people that everything is going to be rosy and shiny and that Jesus is always going to make sure you don't have any problems and you'll have plenty of money and you'll never get sick and you'll never have a challenge in your life. Stop telling people that the way that you live and what God wants, he'll put inside of your heart and you'll feel it. And that's what God's will is for your life. You can't trust your heart. Part of it's not perfect yet. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They don't want to hear what I'm telling you today. They don't want to hear it. In fact, there are some people in their spirit, they're, right now they're going, la, 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 I can't hear you. Tell me something good, pastor. Tell me I'll be blessed and God will heal me and everything will work out well. Tell me I'll have big success in this life. Tell me I'll live to be 100 years old. They'll want to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you. Oh, there's my but today. It's for but you. Come on. Are you catching me? But you. Don't live like that. Don't get caught up in that Christianity. But you. Be sober in all things. What is he saying? He's saying, don't get caught up in your emotions. Calm yourself down. Remember what the word of God says. You don't have to jump at every feeling you have. You don't have to speak at every time you get a thought in your mind. Come on. Be sober. Get control of yourself and have an intention about how you live. And what is the standard? It is God's word is the standard. Come on. Hallelujah. You be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Endure hardship. Two things you need to know from that. You're going to have hardships, and God expects you to endure. Amen? You can fall down, but get yourself back up. You can have moments of doubt, but get yourself back up. You can have times where you make mistakes, but get yourself back up again. Come on, the Christian life is about continually getting back up again. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. God is saying, if I wanted to just hug on you and love on you and you to just have ooey-gooey feelings, I'd take you to heaven. But i got a job for you to do. Do the work that you've been called to do, whether it's in season when it's wet, glory, hallelujah, or when it's out of season when it's dry and you're not feeling it, do it anyway. Come on, somebody. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word. I thank you that it's challenged me, and I pray that it will challenge our church 
and the people who are listening to it today. This is not a itching ears, tickling ears kind of message today. And I know there are many that don't want to receive it because their Christianity has really, the standard has been their appetite. The what I want, when I want it, God, how are you going to give it to me kind of Christianity. But that's the kind of up and down, in and out, squirrely, ineffective kind of faith that really doesn't help very many. Lord, we don't want to live that way. We don't want to live according to our feelings. Our feelings are often wrong. We don't want to live according to our thoughts. Our thoughts are often wrong. We don't want to live according to our fleshly appetites or desires, for our desires are often wrong. But we want to live by the word of God, because your word is always true. Hallelujah. Your word never changes the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your word is life. Your word sanctifies us. Your word is the thing that causes us to grow and become more like Jesus. Today, we dedicate ourselves. We put the standard of the word of God back in our lives today in Jesus' mighty name. And I thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know what this message means? That means that you got to love your neighbor even when you don't feel like it because the word says so. This message means don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is because the Bible says so. Come on. We've got to give even when we don't feel like we can afford to give because the Bible says so. We've got to love even though we may not feel love. Can I tell you something? If you treat somebody with love, your feelings will follow. If you need to forgive someone and, and in your heart you don't think you can, well, you got it wrong. Your will doesn't follow your emotions. Your emotions follow your will. Make a choice to forgive them. Start treating that person like you've forgiven them, and your feelings will eventually catch up to your spirit. Come on. Amen. Because we don't live by how we feel. Our God is not our appetite. The word of God is our standard and it is the standard by which we live. You need to leave here today with a relentless desire to pursue what the scriptures say, to understand what they say, to know what they say, and to submit your daily life to the scriptures. Can you say amen? Thank you, Jesus. God bless you guys. We love you guys. You're dismissed.